Hello, everyone. My name is Logan, and you are listening to The Crowncast, the show where we get very, very, very sad uh, about about losing in a post-match reaction uh, to a team that we have already beaten in New England Revolution, and uh, and it hurts. And here to hurt with me today, as always, is is Justin. Hello, Justin. Hey, Logan. Yeah, we're we're on the down we're on the downslope of this roller coaster of of emotions. Felt yeah. real good leaving Atlanta last week, and then going up to going up to New England this week did not pan out well for us. No, 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 it did not. And I mean, I think that it's very clear, uh, just just right out of the gate, that this team has uh, has struggles on the road, and that's not uncommon. I will say something you pointed out to me while we were watching the match is uh, if you looked, I realized the weather was bad. But if you looked at the number of people in that stadium, that stadium was empty compared to Charlotte FC matches. Um, uh, so empty, in fact, that you could actually hear the small group of Charlotte fans that made the trip up there drowning out the New England fans with their chants in the streams. You know, it wasn't that they were so loud up there that you could actually hear the Charlotte fans. Uh, but, but it's clear that there is something about the vault, you know, here in Charlotte that the Charlotte FC just, they get a a little boost, you know, maybe it's from the 12th man. Maybe it's from feeling like they're at home. Uh, I mean, Justin ideas on that. Like, uh, clearly you see the energy, you know, definitely drives it. They look more, the, the individual players look more energetic playing here in front of the home fans than they do on the road. And sure it's not great to go up you know in a mid-april rainy evening go up to foxborough uh in new england and and try and play 90 minutes uh in a, a relatively steady rain it looked like but oh, yeah it, you know it, you got to be able to do it to play in this league you can't just hope for the energy of, of the 30,000 people that are filling up the lower bowl in Bank of America Stadium to, to drive you forward. Yeah, you um, can't. But it's it's yeah. a little shocking to see the crowds at some of these other stadiums compared to, you know, the, the crowds that are showing up here in Charlotte. Well, I one of the stats that I wish I had off the top of my head because I really, really, really want to know is I know there have been at least three weeks and I think this is match week eight, there have been at least three weeks that uh, Charlotte has had the biggest turnout in all of MLS. And I think we've only got like four home games in. So admittedly, one of them is thrown off the table a little bit by the fact that we had <laughs> 75,000 at our first match. Like, yeah, we won that one hands down. But uh, but it, it goes to show you that, you know, the fans the fans are showing up and... And maybe uh, maybe this team needs to learn how to show up without the fans because it is a two-way street. Uh, we will get into that certainly more on Wednesday. Uh, but right now, Justin, I think we both have some pretty strong feelings about this match. Uh, we're going to curb them as best we can, and we are going to go. I'm going to ask you to do two cards today, and I will do two myself. Uh, and then we're going to do one crown apiece, and we'll end on what I think is a reasonable high note, because I think there were some good things about this match. Would you agree? 
Yeah, there's there's some good. There's always some good to be found, and and you know some elements that you can say this is still a young team growing, but but today the the bad definitely outweighed. Yeah, it, it uh, uh, you know I I look back at it as best as I can, and I do think the the negatives. Obviously, we lost the game, and that that final score line will always be a huge negative. Uh, but I, I do think there are, are good positives. So we'll start with the, the downside since we're, we're deep in that. Could you go ahead and give me your first card, Justin? Yeah, I, so I'm going to start out by carding somebody that I have really enjoyed so far this season that scored, you know, what, what some may call the goal of this young MLS season uh, last week against Atlanta. And I'm going to go and card this week Jordi Alcivar for... I, I thought he had a really, like, a, a dangerously pedestrian performance today. There weren't, you know, some of the late runs into the box. There were there wasn't really that vision forward or, or you know, some of the dangerous passing. Um, they're, they're just, he didn't really do uh, any of the attacking midfielder things that we expect Jordi Elsevier to do. Um, he didn't produce a, a lot of danger. There was a moment where uh, he had an opportunity to play a one-two with Daniel Rios, and Rios missed the return pass. And, and I think if he had, you know, Alcivar may have had a, a, a real good chance to put one through. But there was the there was entirely too much, in my opinion, of Jordi Alcivar standing 25 yards away from the goal, waiting for something to happen. And and too many of the balls that came into Alcivar got recycled back. Uh, you know, towards Guzman Carujo and or or Brant Bronico uh, playing in behind him rather than looking forward for runs from Swiderski or uh, or Ben Bender. So, my first card has to go to to Jordi Alcivar. I thought it was especially for his standards a really disappointing performance. Yeah, and especially when you have seen so clearly what he can do well uh, to 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 show up with a performance that like this that is such a flat performance. And you know, he really. For a player who has, you know, we talked about this as we sort of identified what his talents are. For a player who has, you know, such such amazing technical skill, and and such good speed, you really expect that he's going to be one of those players who, especially when the the pitch is slippery, is going to be able to handle it, is going to be able to adapt, and and he just didn't. Uh, I'd have to look at it again, but it, it seemed like he was almost marking himself out of the game. And for, for those of you who aren't familiar with what that is, it's, it's just really not being interested in finding the spaces that allow your teammates to pass the ball to you. Um, you know, to, to Charlotte FC players progressing the ball through the midfield, he was always directly behind a opposing defender and not available mm-hmm. for a pass. And it just didn't look great. Um, yeah. you know, I think, I think that, uh, he deserves a card on the day. Uh, I, I think that he, he set forward a performance that I, I really enjoyed your statement there is, is dangerously pedestrian, not just pedestrian, but, but dangerously so. And, uh, I, I don't think I can argue with it. I don't, I don't think I can. I don't think I should. I think he's, he's earned his card today. I am going to, oh, did you have something you want to follow up? I was just gonna say that you know the the Jordi Alcivar is a is too good a player to be shown up by T D Ortiz the way he was today. When when Ortiz came in as a substitute, he looked 
mile better than uh, Jordi Alcivar had played in today's game. And oh yeah. So it's it's really disappointing. Uh, and 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 I don't know why, but I I am gonna move on to my card. Yep. Uh, my first card is going to be somebody that it has been no secret on this podcast. We have not seen the good out of. And I have defended him in the past. You know, you're kind of the first one who who put him up on the the stage and said this guy isn't getting it done. And I have defended him for being young. I've tried to highlight the the pieces of his play that you know can benefit us. And even as the one who has thus far defended him, I am carting, uh, I am carting the bejesus out of Christian McCoon. I have never seen him in our defense, and it looked good. I have never seen yeah. him in our defense, and he looked good. Uh, he is one of the two Christians responsible for the first goal. Uh, uh, Christian Fuchs, who we know his weaknesses, uh, is not capable of getting to the outside of the pitch fast enough to stop a, a, or to even put pressure on a in-swinging ball. And Christian McCoon coming in who was clearly placed today with one job in mind. He was clearly put in that team because he is young enough to keep up with the high-speed attack of uh, of the revolution today and tall enough to, to win the battle in that middle of the field when they tried to put in crosses. It is, there's no secret to anyone while he was in that team today, and he lost all of them. He yeah. lost... All of them. I I talked to you earlier, and you know, just as the game was finishing, and I, I said I saw two defensive headers, one on that side of the the defense today. One of them was one, one by Brant Bronico, um, who is what half of Christian McCoon's size, <laughs> and uh, the other one was one by Ben Bender, who should be in our forward line. So, oh, uh, you know, he's got the height. We we talked in our Wednesday about the frame. Yeah. that Bender's got and how he can get up there for the aerial ball. But you're right. He shouldn't be back there uh, winning those defensive headers uh, frequently. He, honestly, Christian McCoon right now looks like anyone will just beat him. He is getting turned like he's not there when he's in open space. He is committing to balls that don't make sense and not winning them. Uh, he is He is leaving his teammates stranded and alone will uh you know one of the things i want to talk about is there's three or four times if you go back and and listen to the announcers go man christian fuchs was out there on that that side and just nobody came over to help him and his teammates left christian fuchs on an island out there yeah i think that's exactly what they said so you heard the same thing i did yep and and there's a guy who's supposed to be going out there and helping him there's a young man with fast legs who is supposed to be out there and we asked a lot of Christian Fuchs today we asked him to play in a position we know is challenging for him we asked him to to move the ball up the pitch and hold possession higher up the pitch and the one guy who was put on that that space to help him basically left him alone and let him get burned and and just every time it came down to Christian McCoon to make it a play, uh, he made the wrong play or he got absolutely left in the dust. And and I can't defend him anymore. This guy, I'll be I'll be really honest with you. 
Justin, at this point, I think this guy needs to go on loan. You know, he's young. Uh, he has a, he possibly has a very bright future in front of him. He is what we have currently in the team that is a central defender that has height. Um, but I, I think he needs to go on loan. His mistakes are going to continue costing Charlotte FC points. And I, I don't think there's a clearer example of it than what we saw today. Yeah, I mean, I, I, like you mentioned, I've been going in on, on Christian McCoon since the season started. I think that he's he's too he's he's not aware enough of what's going on around him i think that he does a terrible job in the offside trap uh i think that he is not really aggressive enough in the header which is like you've mentioned his frame suggests he should be one of the ones defending the headers and we saw you know a big striker for new england in, in uh Bukas, uh come in and I think that theoretically you make the right call with uh, or Miguel Angel Ramirez makes the right call here, putting in another big body uh, there in central defense to try and help defend it. Uh, and just absolutely got bodied off in every situation. Uh, the other thing that I can't stand about Christian McCoon and why I'm, I, I absolutely agree with this card is he is not, a central defender that you want the ball going to when, when you need to recycle and start an attack because he is wildly inconsistent with his passing. Oh yeah. He can't, he, uh, oh, I'm not, I'm not going to be, <laughs> uh, I'm going to be reasonably polite. This is a professional footballer who let me be perfectly clear. If you put on the pitch with any one of us who is talking right now or was listen or is listening to this, unless, you know, uh, one of the, the pros is also listening to this podcast uh, he would roast you like yes uh, he is he is leagues above anything that any casual high school or you know maybe even collegiate level player envisions but at this level he is just wildly inconsistent inconsistent yeah and and it's again just dangerous for the club yeah um it's dangerous for the club in in the area of the pitch that we really don't need danger. We need consistency. And uh, I will I will mirror this really quickly because despite the fact that he has the, the, the wrong decision that lets the second goal happen, if you just look to the other side of our defense in Guzman Corujo and look at what he's done throughout this season, you will see that what it takes is intelligence – smart maneuvering and consistency and the willingness to go up and win your fights. And I just don't see any of that from Christian Magoon. And, and I hope it's that he's young. Uh, I think, I think we have, we have stated our case on, on young Magoon. Uh, yeah. So Justin, I gave you the first choice. I'm going to take my second one. Uh, and, Oh, uh, I don't particularly love saying this, but I'm gonna I'm gonna go into uh, Christian Fuchs again because he was given a, a, a big responsibility today that we know is not his is not his best place on the field, and I I'm saying this with the full understanding that he did not have a lot of help from the one place he really needed to be getting help from. This guy cannot play on our wing anymore. 
I mean, I love Christian Fuchs to death. I think he does a lot of things incredibly well. But I do not think that there is a a speedy attacker left in the MLS that does not think they can just roast Christian Fuchs. Every single one of them sees Christian Fuchs on that wing and their mouth starts watering because they know they're going to have a great day today. And nothing uh, is is more indicative of this than the first goal. And, you know, we sort of touched on it earlier. The first goal, he gets that ball out in a wide space with a... It was a fairly rapid switch of play, but it wasn't a blisteringly rapid switch of play. And Christian, uh, Christian Fuchs is nowhere near it. You know, he just... He, he does not have the speed to break out of that intended formation and make the cross difficult. And all that cross has to be is difficult. And we probably don't concede that goal. All it has to be is, is I don't have all day to make this happen. And, and I am, so my, my second card is going to be Christian Fuchs on the wing. I just don't want to see it anymore. I mean... It, it hurts me to see them line up with Christian Fuchs on the wing. You are taking a good player. You are taking an older player who has skills, who has ability, and you are just ripping his skills and ability away from him, and you're going to start destroying Christian Fuchs. You're going to start making him feel like he's not contributing to this team. Um, that or we need to wait until we have a significantly better interior player. To, to give him that responsibility again so he can actually have the cover. I mean, Justin, I realize it's a little harsh, but the truth is Christian Fuchs on that wing, it doesn't work. Do you feel differently? You know, we've we've definitely talked about before. I, I think that the team is better for a couple of reasons if Christian Fuchs plays in the interior at the left center back spot. You know, the first of which is it sits Christian McCoon down. You know, I think that McCoon is a massive defensive liability for this team. I think that Fuchs does a better job in that center back role. Um, I, I think that you're right. He doesn't have the speed to play a left back in this kind of system that I think asks the left backs to get forward and attack and then get back quickly in defense. The only things that I will say in Christian Fuchs' defense today, I saw the same sort of unwillingness to step out and cover the cross coming from Jalen Lindsay on the right side of our defense. And I don't normally see that from Jalen Lindsay either. And so I'm not sure if maybe because, you know, Fuchs had time to see that pass go out and he never really turned on what jets he has to try and get out there. I'm not sure I'm not sure why it would be this way, but I'm not sure if possibly there was a directive from Miguel Angel Ramirez to not push out and to try and keep more defenders in the box. Maybe sort of the the decision is let them make the cross and then try and defend it a little bit better with more bodies. I don't know. Obviously, it didn't work. Yeah, I mean, I um, so I can I can see what you're talking about there because I can actually picture the moments that you're talking about with both Jalen Lindsay and Christian Fuchs on the other side. Um, I think the difference is Jalen Lindsay has the speed to get out there. Um, you know, we're not starting Jalen Lindsay from a place that his speed will never allow him to get out there. And with the tactical decisions I have 
uh, I have seen from MAR. I just I can't see how that was the plan. Uh, maybe it was. You know, maybe I I'm I'm reading that situation incorrectly, but I cannot see how that was the plan. I, either way, I think that it was. It, it, I the other thing though is I actually did think that folks had some nice long passes pushing it up into the attack. Oh, that is true. You now. I don't know that he's necessarily crossing super effectively from from that deep attacking wingback position, but you know a lot of uh, a lot of balls to switch the the point of attack today. A lot of really nice balls up the the touchline, uh, heading up towards Bender uh, and later to TTRTs in that attack up the left wing. I thought that he was one of the brighter points in attack, which is probably more an indictment of our attack as a whole when 36 year old christian fuchs is one of the brighter spots yeah i think uh, i think we're gonna get on to it uh, uh so so that's my card uh justin your your second card of the game so i'm gonna go in on a player who had a good game for the most part and made one really bad decision uh the same way i did wait with, against wait, christian kalina hold on a minute uh i'm just i'm just gonna go ahead and say is it the guy who gave away our second goal? It absolutely is. Because oh, the guy who right. gave away our second goal in the Philadelphia Union game, uh, Christian Kalina, he had a great game otherwise. I carded him for a truly stupid boneheaded decision. And I'm going to be consistent in how I officiate this. Whoa, and whoa, whoa, whoa hold on. Player. <laughs> this is the MLS. There will be no consistency in officiating. Oh, I, I am absolutely sure that there is no consistency in the officiating here in MLS. It was bad today, but also bad was Guzman Carujo deciding when when you have a relatively crowded box and your keeper has just parried a, a, a pretty decent shot away, um, the right idea is to just sort of swivel your hips and smack the ball forward, and he kicked it all of about two feet before it caromed off a New England Revolution player and passed Kalina on the ground and into the back of the net for the second goal. And, you know, it is such a deflating goal at such a deflating moment. And I, I specifically say that Karuha swivels his hips and tries to do this because he's facing our goal as Christian Kalina makes the save. And Guzman Karuha has the opportunity and honestly should in this situation because you know there are players behind you. You don't know if those are Charlotte players. You don't know if those are New England players. You don't know exactly what their position is. Put the ball out for a corner. Let your defense reset. And instead, because he swings, you know, he swivels his hips around and smacks it forward, he concedes the second goal in just a, a dumb moment. I know what he was trying to do the same way I know what Christian Kalina was trying to do against the Philadelphia Union. But both times, it's just a bad decision in the moment. It, it I, I don't disagree that Guzman Carujo had a very good game. Otherwise, I thought he had a, a really impressive header in attack and almost scored a beautiful goal. Um, but when you have a truly boneheaded moment, you're going to get a card from me. And so... That's why Guzman Carujo gets a card from me in this one. 
Yeah, you know what? I cannot uh, I cannot argue with the fact that you are being consistent in your officiating. Uh, that that was a boneheaded moment. Uh, I don't think it was quite as boneheaded as Christian Kalina's that we referenced no. earlier, but it was definitely a boneheaded moment and absolutely deserves a card. Uh, I, that being said, I don't think there's any point in lingering on it. So uh, I'm going to jump ahead of you, Justin, and I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take my first crown. And yep. I think this one is going to uh, shock you. That's that's for the hashtag clicks. Uh, you won't believe who Logan chose is his. No, please. Uh, we're going to try and avoid that stuff here. Uh, either way, uh, Daniel Rios in attack today looked like the whole package. Uh, this is a this is a player that we have talked about, and we have said, you know, does he have the offensive threat? Is he just a hold up stick on? You know, is he going to be the guy who makes the intelligent runs? And he looked like the place where danger was going to come from today. Uh, that, that's not to say that Swiderski didn't have a good game where Swiderski wanted to put threat in. It was, it was today the one who was getting the opportunities and was trying to make the most of the opportunities was Daniel Rios. And it looked really good from him. You know, we saw in the last game he was willing to get in and, and put a header on frame and force the keeper to make a save. He has a fantastic moment today where he opens up his body and makes a, a sort of slightly interior to exterior run and fires a beautiful shot into the post, into the right post, and it's so close to just being game-breakingly good. Uh, he was up front the guy today who looked like he was going to try and make something happen. And, you know, we talked about this earlier about how we saw this sort of this unwillingness to really go at it. Like, like everything was just happening in slow motion. And, and he didn't look like that. He looked like he wanted it. He looked like he was out there to prove that he is a striker. And I do wonder if that is, uh, you know, possibly due to the fact that he may have seen uh, Yazwiak in training and, and may have thought to himself, somebody is coming off this pitch because that guy is good. And I don't want it to be me. Justin, how do you feel about that? I I think it's absolutely a great shout. You know, I I do think that uh, he he had a lot of great movement inside the box. He again had some of that great link up play. Uh, I remember uh, early in the match there was a clearance that was just sort of one of those. Uh, hopeful clearances one of our defenders and i can't remember which one at the moment but just sort of whack the ball forward because you got to relieve pressure on on the defense so you just smash the ball forward and you hope mm -hmm. and rios comes back controls off his chest taps it you know just in front of himself holds a defender off uh, you know on his back and in that you know two and a half, three seconds uh, sequence that gives Ben Bender and that gives Carol Swiderski time to push forward. Uh, and I think he ended up playing the ball off to Bender. And, and, you know, it turned into a relatively decent attack. But the important part is, you know, these are the things that Rios does for the team that don't make the big highlight reels most of the time. The, it, you know, the hold-up play and the, the linking that he does, and we talk about it, you know, week in and week out and it's very difficult when you talk about who could sit for for Kamal Yoswiak 
I think that Rios is probably one of the the first names that you you talk about as, you know, maybe he's a guy that sits down. I like seeing him being willing to fight for it if if that's what he's starting to see in practice is you know maybe maybe i am the one they're talking about sitting but but i can prove to them that it's a bad idea to sit me yeah and that's that's what it looked like to me today it looked like somebody who has the ability and wanted to prove that he was more than what he had showed so far uh because he didn't want to sit on a bench he wanted to play on the field uh, so he has earned a, a crown from me and, uh, and, and well done to him, Justin. Uh, I do think there are, there are two, three, two or three others out there who probably deserve a crown. Who are you going to go with for yours? So there's a big part of me that wants to crown Ben Bender because I think from, uh, uh, just the absolute perspective of the best player on the pitch for Charlotte tonight. It was Ben Bender. He was the one who was the most willing. He was the one who was stuck in, in uh, you know, trying to make defensive plays, winning defensive headers, like you mentioned before. He was the one making, you know, the few dangerous attacking runs, and, and I think trying to fill those spots where normally, sort of central, uh, central pitch, you know, you might see some Alcivar stepping up, uh, and he just wasn't. Mm-hmm. But we've crowned Bender a lot. It, and I, I do expect that sort of thing. I do. I do want to go ahead and put this out there into the ether, though, because it sounds like Bender is not going to be your your crown, correct? No. Uh, ben Bender is only not a crown in this because we're tired of crowning Ben Bender. <laughs> like, like Ben it's... Bender has more than earned a crown for his performance tonight. We just crown Ben Bender literally every time we talk. So, I mean, this it is, is bang yeah. average for Ben Bender at this point to be the best player on the pitch wearing the Charlotte FC crest. So, I mean, do you crown him every time for for just being the best guy on the pitch, or do you sometimes recognize players who step up above and beyond what they maybe normally do, uh, you know, in my opinion? And um, there's also a part of me that wants to crown Christian Fuchs for his contributions to the offense today. But the the player I am going to crown is Alan Franco uh, because I think that you know, I think he was trying to do his his workmanlike uh, midfielder role for a long time at, at the beginning of the match, and then it felt a little bit like maybe twenty twenty five minutes into this match, he got fed up that Jordi Alcivar wasn't taking the steps forward, wasn't pushing into the attack, and I mean there was a solid fifteen minutes where it was Ben Bender and and Alan Franco. That were just, they were the ones pushing it. They were the ones generating threat. Uh, they were where all of the danger, uh, you know, towards the end of the first half was coming from for Charlotte. And I, I mean, you know, you mentioned uh, him last week in the match that I unfortunately wasn't able to watch. Uh, I was able to watch all of this one and, and he just, he looked really good. And again, this is another player that when you talk about who could sit for Kamil Yozwiak, I think Daniel Rios and Alan Franco are the possibilities right now. Yeah. Um, I can't. And I think they both made it really difficult with their performance today. It was not an overall great performance for Charlotte FC, mm-hmm. but these guys stepped up when nobody else really, you know, was, was trying to. And they had a a good performance in a bad day yeah and i am going to put this out here as well that we are 
we are clearly lacking something in the attack. Uh, and for those of you who weren't able to join us for our Wednesday podcast, we've started kind of using the second end of our Wednesday podcast to to break down our attack and really understand the players that are up there in that pointy end of the pitch to, to see if we can if we can sort of divine out some some reason that we aren't quite capable of getting players up to that that pointy end. Uh, so if you'd like to hear a little bit about uh, how we're doing that and, and and see what we're thinking about, you can join us for that on the Wednesday podcast. Uh, but absolutely a deserving of a crown today is Alon Franco, so I think that's a pretty good pretty good call out. Uh, my last question for you, Justin, as ever is you have two sentences. Your final thoughts, if you please. Uh, lazing your way through a game, you're never going to win it. You got to actually show up and want to play. And there were too many for Charlotte that didn't do that today. All right. Yeah. Uh, I think that's that's a that's a good, very clear statement. That's why I try and give you only two sentences, because you produce <laughs> gems. When I don't let you talk around it, you produce gems. Uh Oh, man, for me, then it's going to be uh, we look good progressing the ball up to the third, up to the final third. Uh, we don't have it in the final third. Okay. Uh, uh, and that is an improvement, especially away from home. If you look at our previous away from home records and games, we have not been able to progress the ball up in the final third. But the the moving the ball out, especially through Jalen Lindsay, Ben Bender, the getting it up there to the final third, the controlling the midfield and winning balls back in the midfield is looking so much better. And we're getting to that final third and it just falls flat. Uh, so we will continue to, uh, to to think and look at how we can solve that problem, as will Miguel Ramirez. And uh, that will about wrap, wrap, us, wrap us up for the day. So thank you so much for spending your time with us. We love you, and we will talk to you again soon. Goodbye, everyone.